Hi, and welcome to the Canine Conversations podcast, where we are positively obsessed with dog behavior. It is just Kayla Fratt here today. Um, my co-hosts, Marissa and Ursa, are off for this week, and um, we are covering some listener questions today. Just as a reminder of where to find me, you can find me at journeydogtraining.com, where I offer low-cost remote behavioral support to owners around the world, and that is actually where most of these questions come from today. You guys can submit listener questions to hello at canineconvos.com. Um, that's canine, all spelled out, C-O-N-V-O-S dot com. And you guys can uh, send us some questions there, and we can cover those in future episodes. Without further ado, let's get going. We do have five topics to cover today. So we're going to start out with Kathy, who has a hound dog. And Kathy wrote in saying that her dog will lunge excitedly at all sorts of things, like bikes and squirrels and people and dogs. Um, and she's confident it's an excited thing. Um, but it's pretty frustrating. And then this dog is also pretty unfocused outdoors. Pretty much as soon as they walk outside, Kathy says, this dog's nose is to the ground. And this dog pretty much just stops paying attention to anything at all as soon as they're outside, which is super frustrating. So let's cover that lunging first, and then we'll come back to some of that focus building later. So when we've got dogs that um, lunge at stuff, one of the first things I like looking at is can we get this dog into something that gives you a little bit more control over her? Something like a front clip harness can be good because the dog can't put as much strength behind each lunge if she's clipped at front. And that's not going to give the dog whiplash the way that like um, a snoot loop or a halty, um, one of those head halters would potentially hurt this dog's neck as this dog lunges. Um, and it's not going to frustrate and hurt the dog quite as much as something like a prong or a choke collar, which could actually turn this excited lunging into something that is more like aggression because the dog is associating pain with things like other dogs. So that's the first thing I would recommend looking at an equipment change. The second thing I would like to look at is can we walk the dog at some times that are a little bit less crowded? So... Often it's hard to avoid squirrels, although we might be able to change our route to get a little bit further away from squirrels, but we can certainly set up our times for our walks that are a little bit less crowded for other dogs and people. Um, and the reason we want to do that is because we need some time to build up some trained behaviors outside of the really exciting times of seeing these things, and um, we need to walk the dog in the meantime. So let's uh let's start out with getting the dog on some different equipment and also getting the dog's walk onto a different schedule the next thing that i would like to start teaching the dog um and i would start teaching this indoors is something called a turn and go or a u-turn and that's teaching the dog to turn around and come follow us when we ask her to so my dog does this on cue when i say this way and we practice this all the time i use it to end our walks um i use it just to keep us both on our toes on our walks, especially if we're getting bored. Um, and I taught this just by practicing in a long hallway inside and saying this way and then turning around. And as my dog caught up to me, he got a bunch of food. Um, and what you can do is you can start practicing this inside so that it gets to the point where, where you say, when you say this way, your dog turns around pretty happily and comes right away with you. And then start practicing this outdoors at first when there isn't something exciting around. So start practicing just around like light poles or something boring, not around people. Ultimately, what you'll do is when you see a person and your dog looks like she's about to lunge, um, you'll just turn and go and feed her as you go away. 
This can be a little bit frustrating for the dog at first. You might end up needing to use a little bit of leash pressure at first to get her to come with you. Um, but we're not trying to force her to go. We're not trying to make it scary. Um, we're just going to, you know, if we need to kind of keep moving determinedly um, forward and then reward her heavily when she catches up with us. The other thing we can do is we can start playing what's called the look at that game. And I would recommend starting this sitting on maybe your front porch um, and just every time something somewhat exciting goes by, say yes or good or click. Um, and I'm going to say click for the rest of this episode. But just keep in mind that when I say that, you could be using something like good boy, good girl, good dog, yes, good, any verbal marker that you want, but you want to say something um, or make a sound that lets your dog know that what she just did is what's giving her the treat. And so when, say, a motorcycle goes by, you're going to click and then you're going to give your dog a really tasty piece of chicken so that she's learning that when these things go by, chicken happens. And with dogs that are fearful or aggressive, this is really important because we're changing that underlying emotional response towards those things. But for this dog, what we're actually doing is that we're teaching her when something like a motorcycle goes by or a squirrel goes by or whatever. If you um, look up at me, you're going to be getting chicken. So we start out just clicking when the thing goes by and we might have to do that 10, 20, 50, 100 times. But eventually what's going to happen is when that motorcycle goes by, the dog's going to look at it and then look back up at us. So like, oh my God, where is that chicken? Um, I just saw the thing. Where's my chicken? And now we're starting to build an alternate behavior that is not lunging because if your dog is looking at you and eating chicken, she's probably not lunging and that's ideal. And again, I would recommend practicing this potentially in something as easy as just having your front door open rather than fully outside because as we mentioned, this hound dog already really struggles with focusing outdoors. One of the other things I would recommend doing for this dog is it sounds like just being outside is mega, mega exciting for this dog. So can we get her out on um, like a 30 foot leash in a soccer field and just let her lead on the walks? These are called decompression walks and Sarah Strumming of Cog Dog Radio, which is another excellent dog training podcast, is a huge proponent of these. Um, and that can help basically de-stress both of you guys and let her get some of that sniffing out in a uh, in a better way. Um so now we're kind of talking about sniffing, right? The other thing I'd love to see doing with this dog is potentially some nose work. If you go to journeydogtraining.com slash nose work or check out the show notes, we'll have it linked there as well. Um, you guys can find an introductory bit of information on how to get started in nose work and that can help de-stress the dog and also teach her some times and places where it's more appropriate to sniff. So for that focus, one of the things I would also like to do is start teaching this dog something like a hand target where she slams her nose against your hand or um, a watch me inside in lower distraction areas and then start practicing maybe on the front porch or with the door open and just rewarding her for checking in with you, looking up at you. Um, and it might even be something as minor as an ear twitch towards you that we're going to need to reward at first because it sounds like this dog might not offer um, some full-on eye contact right away. So if we need to give her chicken just for flicking an ear towards us, then we'll go ahead and do that. Um, and then we can start doing things like practicing some basic trick training with that front door open or on that front porch and really teaching her to focus a little bit around um, some of those distractions. If that is still too high distraction, what I would recommend doing is practicing adding in distractions indoors and get her to a point where she is focusing really well on you, um, potentially around a bowl of kibble and she's able to focus on training 
or um, when sirens are going off, or when you're playing loud music, or when there's guests over. And looking at some ways that we can systematically increase the level of distraction that your dog is able to focus around before we throw her all the way outside, because it just sounds like being outside is really, really exciting for this dog. All right, so that is Kathy and the Hound, and next we've got Andrea, who's got a little Shih Tzu. Andrea says that this Shih Tzu is terrified of the sound of coughing and sneezing. When they first got this little dog, this little dog was scared of a lot of stuff, and most of that has gotten better, but the coughing and sneezing has gotten worse. Andrea mentioned that she does have allergies and is on medications for them, but she's still kind of a coffee sneezy person right now. And it's gotten to the point where this little Shih Tzu will run out of the door or run out of the room and hide if you so much as clear your throat. If you cough on a walk, this dog will try to run home. And if you cough and the doggy door is open, this dog will go and hide outside and someone else has to come get her. Um, She won't come back inside if the person who coughed comes to try to get her. So this is relatively serious. And the first thing I want to say in a case like this is when we've got something that is this odd, the dog is that sensitive, and it's that upsetting to the dog, our first stop should be the vet. So I'd like to see this dog going in to see a behavior savvy veterinarian or even a veterinary behaviorist to rule out any underlying medical causes. Um, could be some ear infections, could be any number of different things. And potentially, even if they can't find underlying medical issues, this might be a time for some behavioral um, medications. Um, I'm not a vet, but this is definitely a time where it is really important to get this dog in to go see a veterinarian and just make sure because this is a pretty unusual behavior. It's a pretty unusual phobia and, um, we want to make sure that we can figure out how to get this under control for this little dog because it sounds like this is pretty stressful. And again, if this owner has allergies, this dog is having to deal with these essentially panic attacks probably multiple times per day. So that's not just frustrating for Andrea. It's probably really, really upsetting for this little Shih Tzu. So next, what we want to look at for this little Shih Tzu is um, what we call desensitization and counter conditioning. And this is essentially teaching this dog that um, the sound of coughing, sneezing, and throat clearing makes chicken happen. So because this dog already panics at the sound of so much as someone clearing their throat, we might need to start with some very, very quiet sounds. It might even be necessary to record the sound of someone clearing their throat and then turn the volume down on that. And then basically what we're going to be doing is playing that sound or making that sound and then dropping chicken and just teaching the dog that this sound makes chicken rain from the sky. And that is fantastic. And what I would really recommend for Andrea is to start out with this um, using a neutral sound. So if this dog, this little Shih Tzu doesn't have any issues with say the sound of a finger snap, then go ahead and start this protocol training the desensitization and counter conditioning using that neutral sound first to make sure that both of you guys kind of get the name of the game okay so what i want you guys to do is practice you know snap your finger drop some smooth food snap your snap your finger drop some food until we see when you snap your finger your dog is looking for food okay then we know that we've done that right and now it's time to start practicing with the real deal which again is probably that recording of the sound of coughing sneezing or throat clearing played very quietly so we don't want to start out at full force for the time being, I do want to recommend that we let this dog continue to escape this terrifying sound for her. We don't want to try to lock her in or try to flood her with this sound because that's just going to be too much and it's got the potential for making this phobia worse because this dog learns that she can't escape that sound. The other thing that I would recommend for this little dog is practicing some treat and retreat with the person who coughed. So that means that if I cough 
and this little Shih Tzu runs outside and is hiding and doesn't want to come anywhere near me, what I'm going to do is I'm going to grab some chicken and I'm going to toss that chicken behind the Shih Tzu, so further away from me, so that she can go and collect that. And that's teaching this little Shih Tzu that she doesn't have to come near me, but I'm going to provide food. And that is a lot less stressful for this little dog than trying to lure her to me using chicken. And Andrea did mention that she did try to um, calm the dog down with treats um, after the fact and tried to distract her with treats. But that's where this systematic desensitization and counter conditioning is important because we're not just trying to distract this dog with treats, we're actually trying to teach her that every time someone coughs, sneezes, or clears their throat, chicken happens and we need to figure out how to cough, sneeze, or clear our throats quietly enough that we're not getting that panic response because as soon as this dog is panicking, we she's not learning well. Um, and if she is panicking at the slightest sound ever, we need to be getting this dog in to see a veterinarian to talk about some potential medication. So that is Andrea and the sound sensitive little Shih Tzu. So number three here that we've got is Paula, who's got a growly street dog. And I'm going to go ahead and just read the email that I got from Paula because there's quite a bit going on. All right. So Paula wrote in to me and said, hi, so we found a dog on the street and we couldn't find the owners. So we decided to adopt him. He's about three years old and he's not neutered yet. The first time that my dad took him for a walk, he growled at my dad and my dad reprimanded the dog by pulling his leash and yelling no. Then the dog bit my dad, and my father responded to this bite with aggression. I don't think that was a good response. And I'm just going to jump in here, Paula, and I'm going to say I agree. Um, because that just in increases the stress level for this dog. And it sounds like this dog is already quick to bite, quick to get stressed, and um, is probably going through some really tough stuff right now. Um, so back to what Paula said. The dog has been with us for a few days and he's very hyperactive. He's always jumping and is always doing something. He stands on two legs and asks for attention, licks our hands and all of that. The other day, we gave him a little blanket. He was biting it and when I tried to grab it, he growled at me. So that sounds like a little bit of resource guarding. Today, he was in the house and we saw him lying on the couch, which isn't allowed. We tried to tell him no and calling him off. And when my sister got close and was gonna try to move him down, he growled at her and continued growling while she was close. My dad thinks it's a prob problem with dominance and we should try to show him that he's not the alpha, but I don't think dominance is the problem. Again, I'm going to jump in here and I agree with you, Paula. I don't think that dominance is the problem here. Um, Paula continues, I don't think the dog is scared of us, but I think he might have been abused before. And that's why he has these reactions to some of the things we do. I don't know how to react to the growling and I'm not sure how to teach him what he can and cannot do since I'm scared he'll bite me. He did injure my dad when he bit my dad. So there's quite a bit going on. And to address kind of the glaring question here, when this dog growls, what I would actually recommend doing is grabbing some treats and tossing them over the dog's head away from us. And that is going to teach the dog that if he's uncomfortable with something, he can respond by moving away to go collect those treats rather than um, aggressing further. And you're not going to be rewarding the growl in this case because we're actually teaching the dog that what is currently upsetting him actually creates treats. Okay, so luckily for us, we can't reward a dog into becoming more afraid or more upset. Um, I, No matter how many chocolate chip cookies I give you when you're mad, you're only going to become less mad if you love chocolate chip cookies. You're not going to learn that being mad is better, right? So that's the first thing I would do. If, if this dog growls at you, I want you guys to toss treats and I want you to toss treats over the dog's head away from you. That's called um, a little bit of treat and retreat and it's just like, it gives you some time, you can back off. And if the dog is resource guarding something, it also hopefully gets the dog away from something. 
and it's okay if the dog is already growling just back down you don't need to worry that by backing down you're rewarding the dog for growling because at this point we already know that this dog will bite and he will cause damage and keeping everyone's fingers and toes is more important than um trying to salvage this learning opportunity so it's okay just back down just toss some treats and regroup so the next thing here is we need to figure out what sets this dog off it sounds like there's quite a few things and i would really highly recommend that paul and her family hire a in-person certified dog behavior consultant to get some help, they can find one at iaabc.org slash consultants. Um, Marissa, Ursa, and I all take remote clients, but this dog does not sound like a great candidate for remote training due to the nature and severity of the aggression that we're already seeing. So we, we need to figure out what sets this dog's aggression off and then Basically, what we're going to do is set up some management where we are avoiding all of those triggers as much as possible. I would like to see this dog wearing a muzzle. Um, Baskerville muzzles or Baskerville ultra muzzles are my go-to. But if this dog has an unusual face size or shape, she didn't mention what breed or size dog this is. I will link in the show notes to a blog that I wrote on muzzles for hard to fit dogs like greyhounds and bull terriers and flat faced dogs like Frenchies and all that good stuff. So this dog needs some management. We need to figure out how to keep him from those situations where he gets upset. And part of that is going to mean we need to cease punishing him and threatening him immediately. Instead, what we need to be doing is teaching him that us approaching him, us reaching for him, us grabbing him, us doing all of that actually makes chicken happen and it's great. And we're not going to push him past where he's comfortable. So Paula in particular probably should spend some time on the Dog Decoder app or dogdecoder.com learning as much as she can about dog body language so that they can try to identify some um, body language changes before the dog gets to the point of growling. And again, muzzling, avoiding those triggers, um, being liberal with treats and keeping in mind that this is probably not a dominance issue. Um, it sounds like this dog is easily spooked and um, easily upset and has learned to respond to that with his teeth. We don't know anything about his history, but the fact that you found this dog, he's three years old, he's unneutered, um, he clearly, he doesn't sound like he knows anything, he sounds really hyperactive. Um, it's possible that this dog doesn't come from a great background, we can't say for sure. Um, but we, we need to try to approach this dog with some compassion and patience rather than trying to force him to submit to us. The last real kind of training thing that I would recommend for Paula and her growly street dog is teaching this dog a hand target. Um, and that's just teaching the dog to slam his nose into your hand on cue. And you can use that to get him away from things that he may be guarding because between the couch and the blanket, it sounds like this dog is prone to growling when he has possession of something and you wanna take it away from him. And again, we can use the treat toss where we toss the treat over his head away from us to get him away from those things. And hand targets are another great way to get him to come towards us and away from those things. Then we can drop a bunch of treats and pick up the thing we don't want him on. As far as things like the couch, we can also put things like upside down cardboard boxes on the couch to keep him off the couch for now. And again, for Paula, I would really highly re recommend getting in touch with an in-person trainer. If there are no certified dog behavior consultants anywhere near you, please feel free to reach out to hello at canineconvos.com and we will either help find you, someone else who's really good in your area, or if there is truly no one, we understand that there are definitely swaths of the country where you just really can't get decent in-person help. We absolutely um, are here for you and one of us is happy to help you as much as we possibly can. 
So number four is Kayla, not me, spelled differently, um, who has a dog that is reactive to kids, growly, bitey, lungy. She didn't really specify exactly what he's doing, but only in specific locations. So Kayla also mentioned that this dog is being trained as a service slash therapy dog. I'm not sure which one or potentially both. And Kayla also noted that this dog, um, sometimes at the playground he will be really reactive towards kids but then other times they've been able to let kids pet him and it seems to be location dependent. Kayla seems to think that this dog was abused or hit by kids in the last home um, and they're moving and Kayla was kind of asking do we think that this dog's reactivity is essentially going to be resolved by moving given that his reactivity is currently worse near the house. My short answer is that it's possible that that's going to get better but I wouldn't count on it. I have met dogs where they are significantly more reactive, really close to their home, but that just means that when we move to a new home, he might just start being reactive near that home as well. The other thing I'm going to point out is that if you want this dog to do therapy and or service work, you're going to need help from a trainer right away because this dog has shown some level of reactivity, sensitivity, aggression, whatever, towards kids and um, service work, therapy work is really, really hard for dogs that already have those tendencies. And this dog might honestly just not be a good fit for those jobs. And that's okay. So the other thing here is we want to figure out how to avoid triggers. So I would not like to see this dog anywhere near kids until we've got him under the guidance of a trainer because it is such a huge liability um, to have this dog potentially bite or aggress towards a kid. And Kayla mentioned that she was confident this dog would never bite, but I want to say right away that you can never be sure that your dog isn't going to bite. All dogs can and will bite, and it's very, very risky to go into any situation thinking that your dog will never bite. Um, so great dogs, good dogs can and will bite. Um, so again, that's why we need to be getting some help if we want this dog to be doing therapy or service work or really just at all um, to figure out how to get him to be safe around kids again. And part of that is going to be making this dog more confident and comfortable around kids. So what I would recommend starting with is can we go across the street from a playground with a big bag of chicken and every time we see a kid um, or the dog sees a kid or hears a kid or whatever, we're just going to give him a piece of chicken. Do that for 30 seconds, a minute, then take a break. Go for a walk around the block. You can try again after that, but keep the training sessions nice and short. And then gradually you can decrease distance towards the kids, but I would not let kids come up and approach this dog or pet this dog at all um, anytime soon. So number five here is we've got Amanda who has a little pointer um, who is whining at night basically from the moment that they put their son down to bed until they put the dog down to bed. And this has become a nightly occurrence. It's whining for an hour or two every night and it's starting to drive everyone in the house nuts, um, which is totally understandable. So when we're looking at something like whining or barking, um, I like to kind of sit down and try to figure out what what purpose is this whining or barking serving? Because once we can figure out what reward the dog is getting for the behavior, we can start trying to fix it. So Amanda mentioned that they have kind of tried everything they feel like so far. They've tried ignoring it. They've tried giving Kongs. They've tried exercise. They've tried putting her in the crate and nothing really seems to be working here. But something is rewarding about this behavior for Hani. My guess is it might be attention related, but it also could be 
not strictly speaking attention, but also this dog just needs more exercise enrichment, um, stimulation, and whining has become the way to get that. If we're going to go with that guess, what I would like to see Amanda trying is can we start giving her that exercise enrichment stimulation as soon as the, the sun goes to bed, but before Hani starts whining. So that might mean that we're literally giving Hani a Kong as we put the sun down to bed. Um, and then as soon as she's done with the Kong, we're giving her something else to do. And that might be a lot of like relaxation work or practicing stay and trying to teach her some other ways to kind of chill out. And we can also implement what we call a little bit of negative punishment, which is where we are um, removing what Hani wants if she exhibits a behavior that we don't like. Um, in the case of whining or what we call demand barking, this is often um, done in the form of if the dog starts whining or barking, we leave the room for like 30 seconds and then we come back and we ask the dog to do something else instead right away so that we're not just getting into this loop of dog whines, we leave the room, we come back, dog whines, we leave the room, we come back. That's super annoying, not a relaxing way to um, enjoy your evening. And it's also really frustrating for the dog. So we don't want to just try to um, use negative punishment to get rid of this problem. We need to also be, every time we leave, we're going to come back armed with a new way to try to head off that whining. Um, and again, that's because extinction, um, which is what we're basically trying to do by using this negative punishment protocol, is is tough. And what we're probably going to run into if we don't come up with some alternative ways to um, get honey what she needs that don't involve whining, if we don't do that, we are likely to see honey thinking that she needs to whine harder, louder, longer. Maybe she needs to bark because maybe mom has gone deaf. Maybe she needs to jump because people don't hear her and we can actually see the behavior get worse. At times we can ride out that extinction burst, but again, that's really frustrating for the dog. So we need to figure out what is rewarding to Hani about the whining and how can we give her that reward without having her whine at all. Um, so I would love to hear if any of our, um, our people, um, Kathy, Andrea, Paula, Kayla, or Amanda have any further questions or comments or if our advice worked, we'd love to hear from you guys. And if you guys would like to be featured on the podcast for one of these Ask a Trainer segments, go ahead and email us hello at canineconvos.com and we're happy to talk about it. So again, my name is Kayla Fratt. I am the owner of Journey Dog Training. You have been listening to Canine Conversations, where we are positively obsessed with dog behavior. Um, you can check us out at canineconvos.com. Please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and give us a review if you like us. Um, share us with a friend, all that good stuff. Our audio is mixed by um, James from beherd.co.uk. Our theme music is Funny Song, which is provided royalty-free from bensound.com. And our logo was designed by Walker Hooper, who can be found on Instagram at walkers underscore username. We will talk to you again next week. Bye!